0: You are now listening to the Double Say Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Justin Nicosia. This episode of the Double Say Sports Podcast was recorded on July 24th before the Jamal Adams trade. Therefore, we will not be discussing anything related to the Jamal Adams trade later in the episode. This might affect the Jadavion Clowney sign, as Bradley McDougald had told us that Jadavion Clowney has interest in becoming a New York Jet. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the pod. Welcome back to the Double State Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Kosia, and alongside me is Nick Pellegrini. Today, we're going to be making a change of pace from our typical MLB episodes, and we're going to be going over free agency for the NFL, because last week, the franchise signing period was over.
1: Yeah, it's kind of crazy that baseball just starts, and we're kind of already focusing on football. But, you know, a lot of guys got paid this offseason. There are still some guys who are looking to get paid. And, you know, it's it's going to be a fun episode to talk about because uh, a lot of stuff is happening this off season.
0: Definitely, definitely. And we're getting out so late, so to speak, just because we've been working on the uh, MLB previews. And we're going to be getting a lot more MLB podcasts out over the next couple weeks because obviously the MLB season is going on. We've got a couple games on in front of us right now. But anyways, let's get into the NFL talk and start it off with the biggest signing of the year, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he signed a 10-year deal worth over $500 million when it's all said and done. He's going to be locked down for 12 more years because it's a 10-year extension. And his base contract is nearly $477 million. Nick, what are your thoughts on the biggest deal in sports history? Man, this is... This is really
1: crazy. Patrick Mahomes, though, is, is one of the most deserving guys. All the hard work he puts in. I mean, this guy doesn't even have to look at his target, and he'll just throw a freaking dot. Um, You know, but in football, a 10-year extension is a really long time. I mean, football is such a physical sport. And you have someone like Mahomes who, um, you know, he's not afraid to scramble. He's not afraid to move around and you know at some point you know his arm he's not going to be able to throw 80 yards you know like he does right now so you know there's definitely some things to look out for I think in the moment this is a really good deal you don't have to worry about Mahomes leaving going somewhere else um you know I, I found it kind of interesting he's only the second player no I'm sorry the the longest extension that a player signed was Donovan McNabb. He signed a 12 year deal with Philly in 02. That ran him mm-hmm. to 2014. After that, though, only Brett Favre with Green Bay in 01, Drew Bledsoe with the Pats in 01, and Michael Vick with the Falcons in 04, and Dante Pepper with Minnesota in 03 signed 10 year extensions. So Patrick Mahomes is only the fifth player to receive 10 year extensions. Now, we saw what happened with Drew Bledsoe, because what happened with Drew Bledsoe created took Brady took Brady. To over. Michael Vick, he had his whole incident. We saw what happened with there. I feel like although Dante Culpepper was pretty good, he never really panned out. And you know, for Brett Favre, he was really good, but he only brought Green Bay one Super Bowl. So I think Patrick Mahomes. It's easy to say right now he'll be the most successful player to get one of these ten-year extensions. But quite honestly, no one knows what the future holds. What happens if he gets a knee injury like Alex Smith, and he's not? Yeah, that's bad guy. too.
0: I mean, Smith had been out for two years. He had just been able to get cleared today as of recording this.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, signing a 10-year extension, especially this early, too. I mean, you had Patrick Mahomes locked down for two more seasons. You at least could have waited one more season before you, you know, signed that extension. You know, he he obviously – he can't go anywhere for those two more years, and it really seems like he loves Kansas City, so I don't think he would have anyway. But uh, this is this is really
0: a crazy signing. It is. And one of the guys who had mentioned who got a really long contract extension was Donovan McNabb. And you didn't even go into what happened with his contract. I mean, he had signed it in 2002, which would have brought him to 2014. But he was out of the league by 2012. I mean, 2011 was the last year he played. But he only played six games with Minnesota then. And the year before that, he played. 13 games and that was with Washington he was out of Philadelphia by 2009 with five years left in that contract so it's definitely possible that something similar happens with Mahomes where he falls out of the league entirely before the contract's over or the Chiefs trade him because as we know they're going to have to pay a lot of players relatively soon and now with this signing the Chris Jones signing we'll be talking about in just a minute they're not going to have a lot of money to pay for him. So it won't surprise me if they trade him at some point or if, God forbid, he gets injured, that would be the end of it.
1: Yeah, in 2027, in, in his fifth year of this extension, his contract will attribute $59.95 million against the Chiefs cap. which is, That number is just mind-boggling. Which I believe is probably around half of the Chiefs cap. I mean, that's also seven years from now. So the, the salary guidelines will most likely go up. But still, I mean, you mentioned Chris Jones. He signed a four-year deal, $85 million. He's averaging $20 million a year. And, you know, he he won't be guaranteed money, you know, by 2027. But still, I mean, you're looking at guys like Tyree Kill and Nicole Coleman. And, you know, you're already paying Tyron Matthews. So... You, you know, I don't – I just – I'm confused where the Chiefs are getting all this money from. I, I'm really curious because, you know, if they're, they're looking to get rid of some of it, I'm, I'm around for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be – maybe they'll have to restructure a contract at some point. It's going to be a big dilemma when, like you said, Michael Hardman wants to get paid, when Tyreek Hill wants to get paid, if they want to extend Travis Kelsey again in a couple years, and if they sign some big-name offensive linemen because – They're pretty good at the tackle position, but in the interior, they need a little bit of help. So especially if they want to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes for those 12 years, they need to bolster that O-line because it's just around average right now. So if they want to really be competitive in the long term, because obviously they're going to be really competitive the next few years, but when this contract starts to kick in and their cap space starts to kind of go down quite a bit, um, going to be a lot of issues especially when Mahomes gets older and his body is going to be taking a beating if his line doesn't protect him enough
1: yeah of course so I think the Chiefs right now I mean they they have an amazing wide receiver core great tight end you know second best in the lead behind George Kittle in my opinion um their defense is pretty good I would like to see him bolster the secondary a little bit but they they definitely need to focus on their offensive line you know whether they're drafting guys or, you know, they're signing free agents. And we'll talk about some of the remaining free agents um, in a little bit. But, yeah, the the Chiefs definitely have to focus on protecting, you know, their their all-star player.
0: Definitely, especially because, I mean, he's probably the consensus best quarterback in the league right now. Some people might argue Lamar Jackson, but if you're talking about a pure thrower, uh, not even just a pure thrower, but, the ability to throw, Patrick Mahomes is on another level, and especially at the young age of 24 that he's at right now, he's the piece that you need to focus on protecting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of classify quarterbacks and in, in different categories, and I would put Mahomes kind of like, you know, a, a, not even like a scrambler. I, I guess more of like a power quarterback just because of how strong his arm is, and mm-hmm. I would put Lamar Jackson as Dual threat quarterback, just because you know he can run and it out, it opens up so many options for a playbook to have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, but then you know having a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes it opens up a whole different playbook and I think Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid combination is is a really good combination that it's going to bring a lot of winning to Kansas City, you know especially in the next twelve years.
0: It will be especially I mean you think about how. Amazing of a uh, head coach, especially an offensive mind head coach uh, at that, that Andy Reid is. I mean, he definitely played a decent part in Mahomes' development, but Mahomes is so athletic and skilled himself. But we can see what exactly Reid can do with Mahomes for the next 12 years if Reid doesn't retire in that time, and how exactly he can focus his offense depending on which pieces come and go over the next decade or so. Whether, again, like I said earlier, new offensive linemen or if Michael Hardman and Tyreek Hill don't get paid what they want to, how he could work around with some other players. Because, I mean, when I traded for Sammy Watkins, Watkins was seen as probably one of the biggest draft busts of that draft. And he turned around and he seems like a semi-competent receiver now. So if Hill and Hardman don't get paid eventually, we could see if who Reid and Mahomes can try and transform whoever they pick up into someone that looks very solid and like an actual competent receiver.
1: You said it best. They're, they're going to have to look to get other pieces. And imagine signing a four-year, $85 million deal. And that's not even the biggest deal in that offseason for that team. You know, Chris Jones signs four years, $85 million. He was guaranteed 37 mil at signing. And he's going to average about 20 mil or, you know, the, the four years of his extension. And I, I don't quite think people know how good Chris Jones was this past season. I didn't think he was as good as the contract he got until, I, you know, I started looking into it. He has the second most sacks behind Aaron Donald. Um, and he's the third highest paid uh, DT behind Donald and DeForest Buckner, who just signed with Indianapolis. So, you know, it's another great signing. It's still a lot of money. I still don't know where the Chiefs are getting this money. But um, the Chiefs really want to win. They know they want to win. And they're proving it to their fans by by locking up a guy like Chris Jones. Like, you know, he's obviously not the star player, like Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who's going to go out there. He's going to produce for you. And, you know, in the end, he's ultimately going to help you win.
0: It's something that's almost as crazy. If – even crazier than Chris Jones not getting the biggest contract extension on his team is the fact that Miles Garrett had gotten a contract extension that was even bigger. Garrett got a five-year $125 million extension this year, and 50 mil of that is guaranteed at signing. And this is going to be a guy that, I mean, he's an absolute annul of player. He's, one of the best, if not the best, defensive end in the league when he can stay on the field. But that's the biggest issue. I mean, we're looking at a guy that's been suspended really last year when he had the uh, helmet incident with was Duck Hodges, right? Or Kyle Rudolph, not Kyle Rudolph, Mason Rudolph. Mason excuse.
1: Rudolph. Yeah. Um, man, I don't – I Miles Garrett is good, don't get me wrong, but I feel like this contract is a little risky. This contract's going to – this extension takes him through his age 30 season. He's been suspended. So the way I kind of think of this is would I give a contract like this to Vontez Burfitt, you know, a guy who's mm-hmm. suspended on average at least once a season for whatever he's doing. Um
0: he's a dirty player he is.
1: Right. And not not that I think Miles Garrett is as violent as Burfitt. But, you know, seeing someone get suspended that many times, you know, for on-field plays, it it definitely raises an issue because, you know, there there was talk that Perfect would be suspended, um, just banned from the league, you know, indefinitely, just banished. So you really hope that doesn't happen to a guy like Miles Garrett. You don't know what the future holds. I don't quite know if they've actually come to a resolution on the Rudolph incident. So I, I do find it a little risky. Um, You know, the Browns are going to have to pay Odell. They're going to have to pay Jarvis Landry. They're going to have to pay Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb at some point. They're going to have to pay Denzel Ward at some point. So this is definitely, I I don't want to say leap of faith because Miles Garrett's proven himself. But, you know, if he can't stay on the field, it's going to affect them negatively. And it may turn out to be, you know, not the deal that they would have hoped for.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of the riskier deals. I and mean, we talked about how kind of, in a sense, Mahomes' deal is risky just in, in the long term when you have to sign new guys and if he gets injured. But this is a whole different kind of risk. It's a, it's a shorter term, so it's not as risky in that sense. But if he continues to play kind of, I don't want to necessarily say overly aggressively, but at the same time, in a way that, like you would say, I compared it to Vontaze Perfect, if he continues to live up to that kind of stereotype, that kind of comparison, and he gets himself suspended indefinitely, talks about being banned from the league, then it most certainly is a risky contract in that sense. I mean, if you're paying for the, the talent level, it, it makes most amount of sense, especially it's 25 mil a year. It's not a terrible price, but at same time, you just need to make sure that he can stay on the field because – that is the biggest issue over there.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's not like this is the only deal that the Browns made either. The Browns went out, they signed tight end Austin Hooper, four years, an interesting $44 move. Million. I was, I was really surprised when I saw that, Um, you know, that's a, that's another $11 million a year. And we're not even talking about, you know, the core guys on offense, you know, the, the guys I mentioned before and then they, also signed offensive lineman Jack Conklin to a three-year $42 million deal. He's guaranteed $30 million. Hooper's guaranteed 18 and a half. Miles Garrett was guaranteed $50 million. Um So, you know, just those three signings right there. And that doesn't even begin to get into, you know, the guys who are really the face of this team, which is Mayfield, Beckham, Chubb, Landry, Denzel, Ward. Um, you know, Miles Garrett obviously is, but, you know, Hooper Conklin, those are guys that you know. They're when you think of the Cleveland Browns, those are two guys not coming up, and you know the Hooper signing actually made um, it force Stephen Joku's hand. He actually requested trade from the franchise. So I think you know I don't know if they were looking for like a, a double tight end threat, but they're going to lose Joku because of it now.
0: Well, I think the the biggest uh, reason probably behind the. David Njoku or not the David Njoku signing but the Austin Hooper signing was because Njoku had uh, a couple of injuries already throughout his career I mean most uh, notably he had the concussion last year and he also had a broken wrist on that exact same play last year against the Jets but they kind of want to have a secondary guy maybe they'll try and start running the two tight end set but maybe they also just want to try and have a little bit of a backup plan if he goes down to another injury once again
1: yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it would be like the Giants signing a backup for Evan Ingram, um, you know, because he's had some injuries. But, you know, I, I think David Njoku is a number one tight end, and, you know, Austin Hooper mm-hmm. can also be a number one tight end. So it, it's definitely, you know, kind of a weird situation. I, I was surprised when they got Austin Hooper. Um, but, you know what, I, I would like to see – because. There, there's not a ton of really good tight ends in the league. So I would like to see, you know, the number one tight ends actually go out there and show that they're number one tight ends.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point to make. And I that was a, kind of the, the signing that the Browns had that I had the biggest issue with this year. Miles Garrett's signing I completely understood, and I, I definitely get it. I don't really have much issue there. And the Jack Conklin signing I also like. I mean, they needed – a little bit of help on the offensive line. And the only issue I really took with it is that as a Jets fan, I kind of wanted the Jets to get him, but he's a fantastic, fantastic uh, offensive lineman. And I completely understand them getting him. And 42 mil for over three years isn't a ridiculous, ridiculous price to me, especially because he's, you know, a top guy at his position.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there are other high-end offensive linemen out there. So I think Jack Conklin got the contract that he deserved, but it was also, I think, a fair contract from both sides. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think overall it was just a good contract between the opt-out, you know, between the years. Just kind of
0: every part about it, I think, just seemed perfect. Mm-hmm. And something that I kind of uh, really questioned, now it's going away from the Browns, but was the Ryan Tannehill re-signing where the Titans gave him a four-year uh, extension for 118 mil. That's nearly $30 million a year, and $91 million of it is guaranteed. And I know the Titans had a fantastic playoff run last year, but a lot of that was by Derrick Henry. Now, Derrick Henry also got paid. He had a four-year, $50 million extension. But Derrick Henry was really where the offense had run through last year. I mean, Tannehill definitely had a step up, and he was looking like a pretty good – uh, quarterback, especially when he was in in Miami, and then he came t- to Tennessee. He definitely looked like an above average quarterback, but I don't think he's thirty million good. I think that Dak Prescott is probably better than him, and we're all saying he's not worth thirty million. Yeah,
1: it was a weird off season for quarterbacks and quarterbacks moving, quarterbacks re-signed, quarterback contracts. So
0: much moving I, around.
1: I mean, the the Titans they let go Marcus Mariota. Ryan Tannehill became the starter. You know, he Mariota got hurt; and wasn't performing. They gave Tannehill the opportunity. He, he definitely succeeded. I mean, if Marcus Mariota was still the quarterback, I don't think the Titans make the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. I, think, I do think that, that Tannehill's Tannehill is better uh, than right. Mariota. He's a better game manager, but that's to me right. all he really is. And I would not give thirty million to a game manager.
1: I think the other problem with Marcus Mariota. Is he's more of a Lamar Jackson? He's more mm-hmm. of a threat quarterback. He's a runner. He's not afraid to go out there and try to get the first down himself. Unfortunately, though, that's led to some injuries. You know, the torn ACL back in his rookie year. Um, you know, and and it can lead to a lot of um, injuries as well. Do I think Ryan Tannehill is worth ninety-one million dollars guaranteed? Absolutely not. But if they lost Mariota. They, they don't really have a backup option. So, I, you know, I, I think they just had to do what was going to please Ryan Tannehill. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the playoffs, Derrick Henry is really the guy who carried that team.
0: Yeah, 100 you know, he,
1: he rushed for 200 yards in, in, you know, that first playoff game. And, you know, everyone was calling Derrick Henry the MVP and everything. No one was talking about Ryan Tannehill. But, again, if Ryan Tannehill's, you know, not the quarterback, chances are they're not making it to the point that they made it.
0: If you look around at some of the other quarterbacks around the league that were free agents, I mean, Cam Newton, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jameis Winston are the ones that most notably come to mind. And I'd argue at least two of them are better than him. I think. Arguably, Teddy Bridgewater also is. I'd say Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, when they're both healthy, definitely are. And I'd argue Teddy Bridgewater is probably better. And they, except for Bridgewater, who got 21 million a year, even though that still is lower, both Cam Newton and Jameis Winston both got contracts that were barely above one million. I mean, Cam Newton was $1,050,000, and Jameis Winston was $1.1 So they're both in that one to 1.1 range, and I think that they're better than Tannehill, and... Cam Newton does have the injury issues, and he's older, but I wouldn't – again, just looking at those other quarterbacks on the market, I think they, they could have gotten Tannehill for a lot cheaper or one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Cam Newton's
1: also had his fair share of injuries, and James Winston, although he had 30 touchdowns, he also had 30 interceptions. And,
0: yeah, you know, a big turnover.
1: That, that can really throw a team off. I mean, I argue with some of my friends that they'll argue – that Jameis Winston is a top five quarterback in the league. And personally, I would argue he's a bottom 10 starting quarterback in the league, like last season. He – he 30 interceptions does not do it for me. Yeah. Being in the 30-30 club, I I don't think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure there – I, I do think he led the league in past touchdowns, but still, I mean, he's also kind of like a – he, he's a scrambler. He's not afraid to run. That increases injury. You know, um, I think he had a problem with his his back. And then he also had the eye surgery this offseason, um, which is what he credited all of his interceptions to. Or not all, but he, he credited his, you know, some of his poor passes to not really being able to see. So who knows if the surgery is going to work or not. Um, but I, I think with – The structure that the Titans had this year, they're comfortable with that. And, you know, they're they're hoping to get more of the same. And, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins leaving Houston, Houston lost a big piece of their offense. So I think the Titans have a legitimate chance to maybe take that um, AFC South
0: title. Yeah, they definitely do have a legitimate chance. And uh, before we move on, I actually wanted to bring up a point that just came out now. We were talking about the Chiefs earlier and how Patrick Mahomes is, like the success of the contract, if you will, kind of relies on how the offensive line does. And news came out by Adam Schefter just about five minutes ago that uh, their guard, their starting guard, Laurent Durrini-Tardif, is opting out of his contract for the rest of the year. So that's not really building good news for them. For in terms of that contract and keeping, uh, keeping Mahomes healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, so Duvernay Tardif actually has a medical degree in Canada, and yeah, because that's of what the coronavirus right going on, he's actually going to continue working at um, long-term care facilities. So I, I guess like a nursing home up in Canada, which I think is really cool. Um, I do think it's a big loss, but, you know, in a situation like that, especially with coronavirus, you know, guys have families, you know, especially offensive linemen, they're not really in the best, you know, physical shape. A lot of these guys are are big. Some of them are overweight even, you know, like someone like a Vince Woolfork, like, you know, he's high risk for, for, you know, this coronavirus. So, you know, if guys are going to opt out, you know, if, if they'd rather be with their families, I, I totally get that. And, you know, the fact that he's actually working, you know, as a doctor at a long-term care facility, I, I think that's a great thing. Right now we need more people that are going to help, you know, these high-risk people. We, we need more doctors out there, not, you know, football players. Um, I will say, though, he, he's not the best on the O-line. I do think it's Mitchell Schwartz. Yeah, so, but
0: he's the um, top half of that line.
1: Yeah, no, he he's definitely one of the better players, but he's not the best. So hopefully, it doesn't actually impact the Chiefs too much. But, um, you know, I I, I give him props for you know that that's probably a difficult decision. You know, to turn down millions of dollars to to do something that's kind of going unrecognized. But
0: you know what? Good for him. I do too. It's a completely it's a great act that he's doing, and it's very philanthropotic if, if you would it's it's a great humanitarian thing and I completely understand his reason behind it and I salute him for it it I just thought it was interesting because we brought up Patrick Holmes just a couple of moments ago but uh let's yeah. move on to another offensive lineman since we were just talking about one to Jason Peters and he actually signed a one-year six million dollar deal with the Eagles after he missed three games last year with a knee injury and for someone that's his age. I mean, he's entering his 17th year in the NFL, and he's 38. He's not going to be doing any better than he has over the past 5, 10 years. But it's still good to keep him for the Eagles since he's been with them for so long. And we'll see how he does, if he's going to be playing at tackle or guard. But it'll be interesting to see because for the line that lost Brandon Brooks earlier uh, this year with a torn Achilles, it's going to be important to get every little piece that you can on that offensive line.
1: Yeah, I mean, losing Brandon Brooks for Phillies, it's a tough loss. He's really good. But, um, you know, Jason Pierce is pretty good, but he is getting older. So I, I do think that they'll take him from tackle and kind of move him towards the interior, less movement, um, laterally, you know, less movement, just just kind of all together. It doesn't necessarily have to be as quick, um, you know. So for him, that, that that's probably a good thing. Um, in 2019, Peters only missed three games with a knee injury, um, and I do think it was the last three games of the season. Um, it, it's going to be tight between the Eagles and Cowboys, even though I don't think either team is going to go m- have more than 11 wins, but it, it will be tight because of just how bad the division is. Um, yeah. You know, like, I don't have the Eagles or Cowboys making it past the first round, no matter who wins the NFC East. Um, mm mm-hmm. And I definitely don't have whoever finishes second in my wild card. Um, But again, that's just how bad the division is. Um, But you know what? I I, I think this is a safe signing for the Eagles. They know what they're getting. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can can just bring some protection to, you know, a very injury-prone Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah, hopefully, because, I mean – I know some people have a argument with against how reliable Pro Football Focus is as a source but overall last year he had an 82.4 player grade last year which ranks well above average for him and I mean I, I get that he's getting older but if he can continue to do something even similar to that where even if he's falls down to like a around average grade in like the mid 70s that'll be absolutely fantastic for the Eagles, who have an injury prone, like you said, Carson once in the backfield, a line that's already hurting with Brandon Brooks being gone. And he only allowed three sacks last year. So even if that is double to six, that's still not too bad, especially for someone at his age. I would personally be fine with him giving him five or six sacks if I was an Eagles fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, for him to play, you know, 13 games and only give up three sacks, I would say that's pretty darn good, you know. Um, So, hopefully, there's more of the same. I I feel like when you get to to certain ages, you can't get worse. So, you know, I think if he performs that way at 37, he'll perform that way at 38. But I don't expect him to really be in the league much longer. I think the biggest problem with a guy like Jason Peters is because he is getting older, um, you know, creeping on 40, his body may just... Break down easier, and again, he's an offensive lineman. You know, I'm I'm not saying they're out of shape, but you know, they're bigger guys. They're you know, they're not the most you know physically fit people, so it is easier for them to get hurt.
0: Not to mention with the coronavirus, how they're all breathing on each other all game, they're sweating on top of each other any more, even more than any other position group would be doing.
1: Yeah, of course. So you know, offensive line is is definitely going to be you know an interesting position to watch this year
0: we we touched upon a little bit earlier about uh, some of the quarterbacks that got big deals, but one of the most surprising ones was Tom Brady finally leaving New England. I mean, he had been there literally the entire century. He built up the uh, he built up the Patriots dynasty with Bill Belichick. He got his six rings, and people are talking about him as being the greatest quarterback of all times. And right now, if depending on how he does this year, he's close with Drew Brees in both. All-time passing yards and pass touchdowns, so he could surpass him for both those records. Also, further cementing himself as a all-time as the greatest player of all time. And given that receiving core that he has with Mike Evans, with uh, Chris Godwin, you've got O.J. Howard at tight end. He definitely looks like he can have a really good year, even though he's going to be 43 years old.
1: Yeah, I mean you didn't even mention the fact that he's reuniting with Rob Gronkowski down there in Tampa Bay. Um you know, he he's obviously replacing Jameis Winston. Um if you asked me which one I would have rathered, right now I would absolutely choose Tom Brady. Um I I find it I, I was surprised when he left New England. I really thought he was gonna stay, but it, it was a great day he, to be a Jets fan.
0: It was. But I means. was surprised too because he had that, that post on Instagram uh, like before he had signed. It was like a week or two after the Super Bowl where he was still in the Gillette Tunnel and he's like, "I'm ready for next year." So that had a lot of people thinking that you know he's going to stay, and obviously he didn't. He wants to prove himself that he isn't just you know he's just, just some quarterback. Yeah, system quarterback that he isn't just built by Bill Belichick. Yeah.
1: You know, I think him teaming up with Bruce Arians is a really good thing. I think Bruce Arians is one of the greater football minds. I just don't mm-hmm. think he ever had the players to prove that. You know, first he, he was with Arizona when they weren't too good, and now they still aren't too good. I, I remember watching, like, a, it wasn't Hard Knocks, but it was similar to Hard Knocks. And, you know, just list, and it was the Arizona Cardinals when he was the head coach. And, just listening to him and just all his football knowledge. he He's definitely someone I would trust. Obviously, he's no Bill Belichick. No one's a Bill Belichick. Um, but I, I think Brady and Bruce Arians are are going to make a really good team. And, you know, I think Brady is going to be able to help prove that Bruce Arians is absolutely one of the better coaches in football right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason that Bruce Arians hasn't, been as successful. I mean, he's he's an offensive-minded coach at his core. So that means that you need to have a defense that is probably even better than you would want on your average team, just because he's not focusing nearly as much on it in terms of, you know, setting schemes and making them better. So he needs a team that's probably got above average talent on defense to do well and his defenses have never been good and I mean now he has Todd Bowles who's defensive minded coach as his defensive coordinator so that is going to help but we'll see how he does and especially with Tom Brady if Tom Brady can help Bruce Arians establish himself as a coach who actually is competent who's actually one of the better coaches in the league I think that's going to speak nearly as much if not more than Tom Brady proving that he's not a system quarterback Yeah, you know, if if
1: there's one takeaway about the Buccaneers having a really good season, I I would rather it be that Bruce Arians is a really good head coach rather than the argument being Tom Brady's not a system quarterback. Um, You know, I don't... I I, I don't know what the correct answer is about the system quarterback thing. I think Brady's just going to have to play to prove it. But, you know, if... Bruce Arians, he, he finally has the talent there. I think Tom Brady's going to make Mike Evans and Chris Godwin look that much better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and even O.J. Howard, too. And, you know, reuniting with Gronk, of course. Um, it, it, I, I think it should really be a fun season if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan.
0: It should be. The only, the only question is if Tom Brady's going to fall off. Because we saw that he fell off quite a bit from 2018 last year. Last year from 2018, uh, especially in terms of his completion percentage, his QBR, his passer rate, and those were all down and right around league average, if not below average. But we'll see if he falls off. He'll have a lot better receivers this year than he did last year, and uh, we'll see how it does. Because that team, as long as Tom Brady can be the Tom Brady that we all know and hate, uh, especially with being reunited with Gronk, like you said, it will be very fun season down in Tampa. Yeah, um I agree. And and something that, that kind of shocked me
1: about the quarterback market this offseason that there were just so many crazy deals. I mean the fact that Jameis Winston and Cam Newton signed for under a million dollars and I think if you look at the complete other side, Brady signed a two-year $50 million deal. Philip Rivers, however, signed a one-year $25 million deal. Now, Brady has a couple years on Rivers, but Brady has that extra year job security. I just don't know if you can say Phillip Rivers is worth the same annual average that Tom Brady is worth. Tom Brady has led a team to nine Super Bowl appearances. He has won six of them. Phillip Rivers struggles to get in the playoffs. The Colts, I don't think, are a team that are going to make the playoffs either. So they're going to pay a quarterback $25 million to miss the playoffs. I, I don't think it was a wise investment for the Colts. I think if the Colts offered him 15 to 18, I think that would have been a little bit better. They could have saved some of that extra money to go after some other key pieces. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I just I, – I don't think Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady are comparable. Mm-hmm. But based on their contracts, it, it's raising a question if they are comparable.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. Like like you had said, I don't think that Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers should be making the same amount of money. It just doesn't make sense to me. But at the same time, the other part of the con- the two contracts that kind of confused me as well is that Tom Brady, who's going to be 43, is getting a two-year deal while we thought that all along he's probably gonna get a one year deal, but then Philip Rivers is the one that's getting a one year deal. Another river's gonna be 39. I don't have many problems with them getting a one year deal, but if someone were to get a longer contract out of those two, I would have always guessed it would have been Philip Rivers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're talking about length of a contract, it should have gone to Philip Rivers. Absolutely, he is a couple years younger. I think if you're talking about, you know, actual annual average or just overall contract in general, I think it. it Tom Brady deserves that respect. I, I think giving these guys the same annual average is is kind of disrespectful to Brady. I mean, I'm, I'm a Jets fan, don't get me wrong, but, you know, the fact that, that Brady and Rivers are making the same annual average, I think that's disrespectful to Brady. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't think Phillip Rivers deserves $25 million in the first place. You know, if Brady was on a two-year $50 million deal and Rivers is on a one-year $18 million deal, I, I think I could find a little more comfort in that. I just – I don't agree with it. I think the Colts are out of their mind because all $25 million are guaranteed, every penny of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I, man, I, I don't know. I just – I don't think it's
0: right. No, it, it isn't. I, I don't know if it's necessarily – testament of Brady just being underpaid and the Buccaneers taking advantage of Brady never being the guy that wanted the huge paycheck. I mean, he's his ABB throughout his uh, entire career is right around 15 to 20 mil per year. So it, this is definitely the biggest contract that he's had. So maybe it's the Buccaneers taking advantage of that. Or it's just the Colts overcompensating because they lost Andrew Luck this year. They want to have a quarterback for at least a couple of years who could be seen as competent because that's what the fans really want. I mean, we saw how badly they reacted when Andrew Luck announced his retirement. So maybe it was just the Colts kind of jumping the gun and overreacting to it, or the Buccaneers trying to take advantage of Brady, or some combination of the two that kind of led to this imbalance. I'm not really sure which.
1: The way I'm viewing this Philip Rivers contract is they paid $25 million for a second quarterback coach. I think although Rivers is going to get – Uh, primarily get the you know majority of snaps as long as he stays healthy I I think Philip Rivers is is just going to kind of be there as a developmental guy it's the same thing where had Eli Manning not retired if he left the Giants he would go sign with a team and uh you know really just kind of be a developmental player for you know someone younger
0: like Who's going to try and develop, Jacoby Brissett? Or, I mean, maybe Jacob Eason, who was just drafted. But I don't see Jacob Eason having that much upside.
1: Right. I mean, Jacoby Brissett always starts the season hot. I think this past season, he started the season 4-1 and one or 5-1 and one or something like that. And then they missed the playoffs. So, I don't know. Maybe they're going to give Jacoby Brissett one more opportunity. But you did just sign Philip Burris at 25 million dollars guaranteed so you know he definitely has to get some reps you're not going to pay a football player 25 million dollars to sit on the bench that that's just not right but man you know maybe it is for Jacob Eason maybe they do see their future in Eason I don't know I don't see Jacob Eason having a you know star football career but maybe that that is you know who, who Rivers is going to develop
0: Maybe. It'll be interesting to see how this all develops over the next year or two, though, see what the Colts decide to go in terms of the long term. But uh, we know, at least for the semi-long term, that the Panthers are deciding to go with Teddy Bridgewater as their quarterback, and they signed him to a three-year, $63 million deal after they basically told Cam Newton, uh, don't let the door kick you on the way out. They kind of disrespected Cam Newton big time there. But overall, Teddy Bridgewater is being guaranteed. 33 mil there so that's going to be about 11 a year that's guaranteed and he has the option to opt out after the 2021 season now for Bridgewater who's had a lot of injury concerns especially over the last couple of years I kind of think it's a little bit of an overpay I'd probably I would probably go somewhere in a 17 to 18 mil per year range but at the same time when he's healthy he's pretty damn good. I mean we saw how he was in 2014 and 2015 with Minnesota and he's still only 28. He has, you know, time to continue to develop and get away from the whole injury prone kind of mindset that people have of him. We'll see how he does. I think that getting paid 63 million for 3 years is a little bit much, but although it's a little bit much in my opinion, I think that it's a good idea for it to only be a three-year contract.
1: Yeah, I I also think it's a little much. But you did see Teddy Bridgewater go out there when Drew Brees, um, you know, broke or tore the ligament in his finger, um, in his thumb, and you know he went out there and he won and he looked good and you know I I think the Panthers like having. A quarterback who can run like Bridgewater. They had him in Newton. I I do think the Panthers didn't give Cam Newton, you know, the respect he deserved. He NFL MVP, led him to a Super Bowl, and then they, you know, I Cam Newton is just being disrespected in general. You know, the fact that he's making half a million dollars and he'll probably wind up being the starting quarterback, um, for that New England team, but. You know, the, the Panthers don't really have a ton of threats. I mean, they went out. They signed Robbie Anderson to a two-year, $20 million deal. 12 of that's guaranteed. He can opt out after 2020. So, you know, if Robbie Anderson is – rather win. He wants to leave and go to a team, you know, that that can win and the Panthers aren't doing that. you know, you're going to lose pretty much your only weapon on that Panthers team. You know, you're going to have – Teddy Bridgewater locked up for $33 million guaranteed, and, you know, for three years, um, you know, that's that's a tough situation to potentially be in, you know, and, and they put all that money. They're really investing in their new head coach, Matt Rule, you know, from Baylor. He's never coached an NFL game before, and they gave him a record-breaking head coaching contract. And, mm-hmm. You know, I saw that contract. Matt Rule better be the next Bill Belichick. Otherwise, yeah. that, that contract's a waste of money.
0: You know, there's Please no be- reason a coach should be paid that much. Well, he was really successful with Baylor. I mean, he turned a team that was like, I think I believe they were they were a one win team when he uh, became head coach there, and he turned them to a team that, within three years, was in the conversation for being a college football playoff team for most of the year. So he definitely can is good. At least, it's I know the NFL is a totally different animal, but at least yeah. in college football, he is fantastic at you know taking a team that you know is blow average, subpar, and, you know, turn them into a perennial contender?
1: Here's what I will say. Nick Saban was an amazing college coach, went to the NFL, didn't succeed. One of – I I would say he's the second greatest football mind of our generation, right behind Bill Belichick. Granted, Mm -hmm. Nick Saban is always, you know, has one of the top five recruiting classes, whatever, but still. You know, you can have the best players. If you don't have the leadership, you don't have the coaching. You're still not going to be, you know, a successful team. And, you know, the SEC Power Five Conference. You know, Nick Saban is a really good head coach, and you know, I think only behind Bill Belichick, he's he's the second greatest head coaching mind in you know the the sport of football. So, you know, I just. I don't see Matt Rule being that way. I mean, we saw the same thing with Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, he was great at Orion. Once the Eagles, didn't really pan out. And now he's back at UCLA. UCLA is not really a football school. So, you oh, know, man. I think I think he just made his situation worse. And, you know, I, I hope Matt Will is successful. But, you know, to be paid that much money is just absolutely insane. So, you know... They signed Matt Rule to that ridiculous deal, and now they're going out and signing Teddy Bridgewater, which I think he was a little overpaid. And then they go out and sign Robbie Anderson. So I don't know. I think some of that money should have been saved. to, you know, you need a replacement at linebacker. Luke who retired last year. You know, there's just still a lot of gaps on that Carolina team that I think just they
0: they weren't addressed. Yeah, they weren't. But at the same time, it's you got to build your team in pieces. I mean the Panthers are clearly in a rebuilding phase. Rebuilding phase after that Super Bowl. I mean Luke keekley retiring really didn't help them at all either. So you're not going to become a Super Bowl team overnight after you lose, you know, your MVP quarterback, your you know, consistent defensive player of the year, middle linebacker. And mm-hmm. I mean they lost Josh Norman a few years ago, but you're not going to become a Super Bowl winning team overnight when you lose all those huge guys. So I think it's important for them to get good pieces. And even if it's little by little, as long as they're working towards at least trying to have an above 500 year, maybe a nine or 10 win a year within the next few years, that's making progress. And hopefully, maybe at some point, they'll be back to that Super Bowl caliber.
1: Yeah, I mean, real quick, before we move on to a pair of running backs, um, you know, they also lost, kind of, I guess after Keekly left, probably their best defensive player, who was James Bradbury. You know, and and he left. He he went up north. down the Giants. secondary, right? Right. So you know how their secondaries. You know, I would say like in the negative because they, I, in my opinion, I don't really think they gained another, you know, notable secondary player, um, to note. So you know, their secondaries now like in the negative. Their linebacking and the negative and you know besides Christian McCaffrey yeah that like that that's going to be the face of the offense again is Christian McCaffrey because he's just so versatile but you know Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey that, that that's pretty much it
0: yeah it is and let's move on to like you said the pair of running backs we're talking about Todd Gurley who signed with the Falcons in what is arguably one of the biggest steals in the offseason? I mean they signed for a one-year, five million dollar deal, so it, it really doesn't have that much risk tied to him, and it's a really cheap deal for someone who just two years ago was seen as probably the best running back in the league. Now I know he's struggled with arthritis over the past couple of years and and he, he left the Rams, but for such a Short and cheap contract. I absolutely love this move, especially since the Falcons lost, you know, the running back that led them to the Super Bowl where they blew the 28-3 lead. Uh, sorry for mentioning that. But uh, Devonta Freeman, he's still a free agent.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like this was a low-risk, high-reward injury. Todd Gurley obviously has that that knee problem. He tore the ACL you know, back when he was a running back at University of Georgia. Um, and now he's he's kind of coming home. I feel like the fact that he is signing with his hometown team is kind of a sign to me that he's probably not going to be in the league much longer. Um, mm. I, I don't want to say it's a farewell tour. I, he's not going to be as relevant in the league. Um, I personally, in a fantasy draft, I wouldn't take Todd Gurley. That's just, that's not. I don't view him as one of the top running backs anymore, and I think a lot of people don't really view him as one of the top running backs anymore. And you know, it, it's really unfortunate because he could have been one of the guys really tearing it up. Um, you know, I hope he's successful in Atlanta. I want him to be. I want to see more. You know, prime Todd Gurley, but I, I think the arthritis and and just other problems with his knees is really just you know keeping him from, from being, you know, that a, a top tier running back.
0: Yeah, it really is, which it, it's truly a shame. And it's just a crazy turnaround. Cause we saw that he had a great rookie campaign. Then he had a little bit of a sophomore slump. It was still solid. And then his, his third year in, in the NFL, he looked like again the top back in the league. I personally drafted him last year in my fantasy draft and although he had a couple good games he overall disappointed i mean it's a shame because you're looking at a guy that again was seen in just two short years ago as the best running back in the nfl and for him to completely make a complete 180 it just it's really sad to see
1: yeah and man it's to no fault I
0: mean, it's to no fault of his own either
1: yeah it it sucks i, I mean i i really wish he, he never got injured at UGA because it, it affected his, his, you know, college career, too. I think he could have been one of the best college running backs in, in you know, collegiate history. But, you know, he lost he lost a season, you know, by tearing his ACL. So, you know, it, it really sucks. And, you know, my guess is that's probably why he's still having these knee problems. It's the same knee that he tore the ACL in. Um. So, you know, it It sucks, but, you know, it's part of the sport and you have to deal with the injuries and, you know, sometimes the injuries conquer the players. And unfortunately,
0: I, I just I think that's the situation is here. It is unfortunate. But let's move on to a running back who didn't play in 16 games last year either, but that's because he held out and that's going to be Melvin Gordon. I mean, after we saw that he was holding out, it was kind of becoming clear that, he wasn't going to re-sign with uh, the Chargers at the end of the year. I mean, there was a lot of bad blood between a team and Melvin Gordon. And he signed with the Broncos for a two-year, $16 million deal, which honestly is pretty low, especially for someone that was uh, sitting out for four games to try and get a longer contract, and a decent amount of money. I'm kind of surprised he settled for it, but I'm even more surprised that the Broncos signed him because they have... A solid running back in Philip Lindsay, who has two thousand yard rushing seasons under his belt already, and he's only been in the league for two years. Yeah, I mean Philip Lindsay
1: is definitely you know a, a great running back, and there's a lot of hype built around Drew Locke this year. But again, the the Broncos are kind of like the Panthers; they they just don't have the offensive weapons, in my opinion. Uh, they they have Courtland. Really, Sutton. You, don't,
0: you don't see it? Yeah, you don't see Cortland Sutton being.
1: That all that great, I mean, I, I do, but name me another wide receiver I should be I should be nervous about or, or tight difference. end, you know. Besides Philip Lindsay, you know, it, it's just like the Panthers. They have, you know, I would say a solid quarterback. Although Drew Locke, I think, still needs to really like prove himself. They have a speedy wide receiver, and then they have a running back that can do it all. Outside of that, though, you know. On defensively, they they have Von Miller, and you know Von Miller's not in his prime anymore. Don't get me wrong; he's still really good, but he's not in his prime anymore. So you know this Broncos team isn't the same team that they were. You know, in the Peyton Manning era, for you know the couple of years that that they had that and they won the Super Bowl. It's it's not the same team. Um, I I don't think that they're gonna win. That they definitely won't win the AFC West. You know. I I think they could sneak into a wild
0: card, personally. They could. I I think
1: it's not really going to be up to them. I think it's going to be up to other teams. And if the other teams blow, you know, some games here or there, I I think that's what will impact their wild card spot.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, they're certainly not the same team as they, they were in the paid man era. That was over half a decade ago now. But, I mean, they got Jerry Judy in the draft this year. Noah Fence looking like a reliable tight end. I think you're really selling their offense short. And although sure
1: I did, I did forget about the the Jerry Judy um, draft, but you know, that's a college guy. It, you never know how college guys are gonna play in their first year. I mean, you know, Judy could be a stud and you know, he, he could catch for a thousand yards with Drew Lock at quarterback and Courtland Southern, mm-hmm. you know, on the other side of the field. Or, you know, he he could be a bust, you know, you you just don't know. Um yeah, I completely forgot they signed Judy. But I'm, I'm always just, I, I, I never want to jump on a, on a rookie to say, oh, he's going to turn the franchise around. You know, I, I
0: don't think Jerry Judy's going to have that impact
1: on a team like this. That they,
0: they mm-hmm. still just, they have too many holes. Yeah, I mean this. This defense though is also. I, I know they lost Chris Harris, but they still have a lot of solid pieces. I mean their their safeties are really good. I mean Justin Simmons is a rising star. Kareem Jackson's always a solid option. And they have AJ Bouye at one of the cornerback slots, and then their front seven's looking pretty solid. I mean it's headlined by Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, like you had said, and they signed Daryl Casey this year. I definitely could see them as being, if not second wild card, I, I could even see them being the first wild card this year.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to, to Drew Locke and his play. You know, it's, it's it's really going to be, you know, Drew Locke. And I, I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to have that type of impact. You know, when, when he was signed, I was like, okay, this is a good signing for Denver, but it's not, in my opinion, an impact signing.
0: I don't know. I mean, going back to the – Original point of this whole thing, that Melvin Gordon signing. I, I still don't think it's gonna be as big of an impact signing. I mean, I, I like the deal. I like that it's eight million, but it's just to me, it's not a need, and I don't think, I don't think it makes this team that much better, really. Yeah, no, I I agree. Let's move on to a sign that I mean, it, I guess you could say it makes a team better. It's C. Cooper extension. You get a five-year, hundred million-dollar extension, and it's is not making the team better now, but three four years from now when Dak is finally starting to hit his prime and he needs, you know, a reliable receiving option. And if he, if Amari Cooper, who is pretty reliable when he shows up, is going to be there locked down for five more years. Yeah. When he'll only be 30. He'll still be a good age. I think I, I do like the signing, although it might be a slight overpay at 20 mil per year. I'd probably go like 17, 18 a year.
1: Yeah, I mean, Omari coopers he's definitely a number one wide receiver. I don't know if he's worth $20 million, you know, like you said. But, I mean, Dak, he, he needs some consist, consistent weapons. I mean, when he came into the league, he had, you know, Des Bryant, Jason Witten, and, you know, Witten came out of retirement, you know, to, to try to help him with a playoff push, and that didn't really work out. Um, but, you know, the – this Dallas team is really young with Cooper and Dak and Zeke and, um, you know, Layton Van, Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch um, you know, they're, they're a young team, um, Demarcus Lawrence. So, you know, the other problem is there are other guys on this team that are going to want to get paid, i.e. Zeke. Demarcus Lawrence is playing on that franchise tag, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, Dak obviously um wants an insane contract. I don't think Dak Prescott is worth the money he's asking for. You know, this is a guy who last season stumbled into the playoffs at eight and eight just because they had to take a team from the NFC East. I would have rather I, I would have rather seen three wild cards instead of seeing an NFC East team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I, I do think Amari Cooper, you know, being locked down for the next five years is is a good sign for the Cowboys that, you know, they're hopefully headed in the right direction. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is is making whatever his AAV is. I, I don't think that Dak Prescott deserves to be making more than that. Patrick Mahomes won no, Super Bowl in his third season. Right, third season? Or second? Yeah. third. Second as a full-time starter. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. So his third season overall, his second as a starter, he wins the Super Bowl. Okay. He also won Rookie of the Year. Or, no, I'm sorry. He, he missed Rookie of the Year because... He won MVP because yeah, right.
0: there's no rookie-eligible thing in... Right. The NFL. So, what has Dak Prescott done?
1: I, I got into a little Instagram fight, you know, that Prescott took a team to 13 and 3, and then I think a, another team to either 11 and 5 or 12 and 4, but he hasn't done that again since. So, I don't think Dak is worth that money. But, you know, just he has a lot to of conclude, pieces on that offense, too. Right. So, you know, between Zeke and, you know, I would say a top three offensive line in the league and, you know, between Mark Cooper and, you know, some of their other weapons offensively, the fact that Dak Prescott is not going more than eight and eight is probably a sign he doesn't
0: deserve $40 million a year. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. Let's move on to a guy that I think, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how Emmanuel Sanders does in New Orleans I mean we've seen him for most of his career in Denver we saw him play a couple games last year out in San Francisco after he got traded and he actually looked pretty solid in San Francisco last year I mean he had 502 yards he had three touchdowns in 10 games nine of them were starts now that's not amazing by any stretch of the imagination but it's still solid and and although it's not going to be number one receiver it's still good for like a number two and number three receiver. And with the Saints having Michael Thomas, he fits perfectly in that team.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a guy on this team, his name's Michael Thomas. He's pretty good at football. Some will say he's overrated. He, <clears throat> he only appears to be good because, you know, he he gets so many targets, which increases his wrecks, which increases his yards, whatever it may be. Um, I don't think he deserves to be a 99 in Madden. That's a I don't know. For I'm I'm a on deck.
0: I'm on the Michael Thomas bandwagon. I'm on the hype train. Call me whatever you want, but I, I fully support him. I think he's the best receiver in the league. But I, to I each his mean, own. I I think this could be a whole episode debate between Julio,
1: Hop, and definitely. Thomas, but so let's that's, save a, that's that. a conversation for another time. I think Emmanuel Sanders though is the perfect guy to take some of that pressure off Michael Thomas. Um, you know, there's also Jerry Cook at tight end, and then you also have Alwan Kamara. Um you know, behind out of the backfield. Right. So, um, I think this is a really good signing. They have Michael Thomas who, if, if I was building a football team, I would want, you know, my big physical wide receiver, which is Michael Thomas. You know, he's tall. He can go up for the ball. You know, great physical, tough, strong wide, wide receiver. Then, You know, you want your little guy, you want your speedster, you want someone who you throw the screen pass to, they're going to get you the 10 yards just because they can outrun defense for a long enough amount of time. Or, you know, you throw them a slant or, you know, a post, you know, they're just going to run and get the ball. Drew Brees throws one up, Emmanuel Sanders is going to get there and he's going to get to it. I'm not saying Michael Thomas isn't fast, whatever it may be. But there's a difference between being fast and being quick. And mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders is that quick speedster, which I think is something that this team really needs.
0: Yeah, it is, especially because, I mean, we saw how Brent Cook stayed with Drew Brees a few years ago when he was still in New Orleans before he went to the Patriots and then the Rams. But if they get someone that, even though I, I don't think Thomas is, or Sanders is as fast as Bren Cooks, they get someone that fits a similar mold as him, it's going to be extremely beneficial to this offense.
1: Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I, I think this it could legitimately be, like I said before, this could be an impact signing. I think this may be a piece to take the Saints to the next level that they're so close to being at.
0: Mm-hmm. Now another signing that could help a team and take him to another level is going to be one of the Steelers who made this off season. They went out and they signed Eric Ebron to a two year, $12 million deal. I mean, Ebron, he's experienced a lot of injuries over the years. I mean, he hasn't started 16 games throughout his entire career. I mean, he's appeared in 16 games only one or only twice, excuse me. And it, he gets a decent amount of yards. I mean, and 2018 was probably his best year so far, where he had 750 yards and 13 touchdowns with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, if he could replicate something like that with the Steelers, especially at a shorter deal, and he's only 27, he's going to be hitting his prime soon. It could be very beneficial for the Steelers team, but it's kind of a riskier move because you don't know how healthy he's going to be. And if you're going to get two starts out of him or nine, 10, 11 starts out of him, yeah, I mean,
1: I I don't think Ebron's success is just reliant on him. Um, you know, Big Ben has to stay healthy. Um, Mason Rudolph is not the answer for the Steelers. James Connor has to have a back bounce back season. Um, you know, we saw how Ben Roethlisberger not being the starting quarterback for the Steelers affected Juju Smith Schuster. You know, he had um, what I would consider an off season. I Expected Juju to put up better numbers, and you know he—he he, I don't want to say disappointed, but he definitely didn't hit the marks he should have hit. So you know I, I think it's Ebron's success, much like the success for the Steelers, is is going to be reliant kind of on other factors and other pieces. Um, you know the Steelers have probably one of the other top three lines in the entire NFL, so. Mm-hmm ebron big physical guy pretty good blocker in my opinion um so I think he will also help that James Conner coming off um, for the run game and um, should be able to, to help big Ben you know as a receiver I think if if ebron does a lot of solid blocking I think you know it, it's gonna be the stuff that doesn't necessarily show up on on the stats that can really impact the team
0: mm-hmm sometimes wanted- to the Lions who lost Darius Slay in the offseason. He went to Philadelphia, but they replaced him with Desmond Trufant, who was a career Atlanta Falcon. And he's been you know, he's been a really solid uh cornerback throughout his career. He's never seen as one of the top five in the NFL necessarily, but he's always really reliable. And last year he only played nine games. We had four interceptions mm-hmm. in those nine games, which is I find absolutely ridiculous. And to get two-year, $21 million deal, I think that's the right price for him. And it'll help a team that lost their number one corner last year.
1: Yeah. um, You know, the Falcons' defense the past couple years has just been so riddled by injuries. And, you know, the Lions, there's a lot of hype around Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford just – I don't think Matt Patricia is a great coach, and I, I don't think that the Lions have enough pieces to really be competitive in a division that holds the Green Bay Packers and, you know, the Minnesota Vikings and maybe the Chicago Bears, you you know, you could take the Chicago Bears with a very assault. So I definitely think the NFC North is going to be a super competitive division. You know, Desmond Trufant's going to go against some pretty good quarterbacks, but, you know, he'll go against Aaron Rodgers twice. He'll go against um, Captain Kirk twice. Um, You know, potentially Mason Trubisky and or – you know, Nick Foles. So so that's an option. So, you know, I I think Trufant is used to playing against good quarterbacks though. Um, You know, he was a Falcon, had to play, you know, against Jamis Winston twice a year and Cam Newton twice a year. And of course, Drew Brees twice a year. So, you know, I I don't think moving to the NFC North facing the quarterbacks he's going to wind up facing is, is really going to impact him at all. So I think this is a really good signing by the Lions.
0: Mm-hmm. Another good sign, we say at the position of cornerback, but it's going to be the Chargers getting Chris Harris Jr. I mean, they sack up to a already solid secondary. I mean, they're probably one of the best in the league, if not the best. Uh, and he went out, they got him. He's 30 years old now, but he's still relatively young where a two-year, $20 million deal isn't going to hurt them. I think that he actually could have gotten paid a little bit more. I think he's still a really solid cornerback. And for the $20 million deal, just to add to that secondary that already has uh, Derwin James leading them, obviously, and then Jason Hayward. Not Jason Hayward, Casey Hayward. I'm, yeah. Sports baseball is on. But uh, it already has Derwin James and Casey Hayward there. It's going to be a phenomenal secondary, and Chris Harris only adds to it. Yeah, I think Chris Harris is, is really being signed more
1: so is, is kinda of like a leader kind of for his his you know, his experience, his years, his obviously, you know, he was on that Peyton Manning uh Broncos era team, so you know, he's used to the playoffs and you know, the I don't think the Chargers are gonna be competitive because I, I think the Broncos, if everything goes according to plan which you block, I think the Broncos have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Chargers, especially because um, the Chargers
0: just lost their franchise quarterback. Right, of course, and
1: but you know they signed Justin Herbert, who fall again fall goes according to plan. Justin Herbert is the face of the future, you know, out there in Los Angeles. I guess you can't necessarily count the Raiders out, but I don't think the Raiders are going to be too competitive this year. Um. And then, you know, of course, the Chiefs are going to have to play the Chiefs twice a year, which doesn't help anyone in the AFC West. But um, I, I
0: thought it was a good signing. I, I didn't really
1: have any problem with it.
0: Me neither. I didn't think it was egregious. I mean, got. I would have liked to see him get a little bit more money, but there's nothing egregious. Now, something I do find just a – tad is James Bradbury going to the Giants. He got three years and 45 mil, which is five mil more, 50% more per year than Chris Harris just got. And personally, I'm not really seeing why James Bradbury is getting that much more than Chris Harris, who has been one of the most consistent man coverage corners in the entire NFL. Yeah.
1: I mean, James Bradbury is definitely one of the better cornerbacks. I think – The Giants had a lot of money to spend, and, you know, they, besides Jabril Peppers, they don't really have anyone in the secondary. They got rid of, um, you know, Alec Ogletree, linebacker, which freed up a lot of money as well. I think the Giants, the Giants definitely need to focus on some secondary. They most likely are also going to lose DeAndre Baker, who they just drafted, uh, he would be entering his second season with the Giants, but um, due to um, a robbery charge and then some uh, on top of that, a, a coercing charge, um, DeAndre Baker is just a mess right now. So, you know, I I think the secondary is pretty much going to be led by Jabril Peppers and James Bradbury. Um, so you know, that that that's kind of important to note. Um, you know. Leonard Williams was franchise tagged and Marcus Golden as of recording this podcast is still a free agent, but it does sound like he is most likely returning to big blue. So the giants will probably also wind up paying him at some point, but um, yeah, I mean, I I thought this was a good signing for the giants. I I think they really need a, uh, like a impact signing. And I think James Bradbury will do that. They'll at least have someone who can cover the number one wide receiver. Um, you know the the Giants. I think also just to make the fans happy, had to show a little bit of, a little bit of improvement on defense. And James Bradbury is definitely that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really think that he, it's a bad move per se. I mean, they definitely need to work in the secondary. It's just like it's a shame to see the Giants' secondary just make a complete one eighty. Just cause just a couple of years ago, we saw that they had one of the best secondaries in the league. They had. George Jenkins on it, DRC, a young Landon Collins, and for them to be at this point where they are now, it is it, kind of tough. And it was a it was a move that had to be made, but it's not going to be nearly as sweet as it was a few years ago. Their secondary, yeah,
1: of course it, it it is upsetting to see, but you know that's it's part of the game. It's a business, and and players and people move on. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, someone that didn't move on uh, is Eric Armstead for the San Francisco 49ers. He just finished his rookie contract last year after they picked up his fifth-year option, and he finally had a breakout year last year. I mean, he got 10 sacks, he forced a couple of fumbles, and he even deflected a couple of passes. And he signed to a pretty big five-year, $85 million deal with nearly half a guarantee to 40 mil. And San Francisco just continues to have probably the best front four in the entire NFL. Yeah, I mean, like we
1: stated before, DeForest Buckner left. He, he went to the Indianapolis Colts. But this is still, in my opinion, if it's fourth down, one yard, no time left on the clock, you, you got to make that fourth down stop. I'm choosing the San Francisco 49ers team. I mean, they just have depth, secondary, their front seven, front four, linebacker, you know, just, just everything. Um, Eric Armstead, like you said, finally had his breakout season, um, finally showed that, you know, he, he deserves that money. Um, but hopefully he can keep it up, you know, pretty soon. You're going to have to start paying some other players, like Deebo Samuel, who I think is one of the most underrated um, young guys in the league. But Unfortunately, again, he
0: has a foot injury, though.
1: Right, which I was I was so upset when I heard about that. But you know, they um they just lost Matt uh, Breda, I think mm-hmm. um, I think he requested a trade from the team. No, I'm sorry. It was uh, a it was Moser. It was Moser. Um, he he requested a trade from the team because you know um, the Forty Nineers had had. Three pretty solid running backs, and you know he he deserved uh some more some more reps but um yeah the the ers I think made a really good option to to sign eric armstead and, and really lock up that defense because that defense is one of the things that you know got them to the super Bowl um unfortunately they wasn't enough against uh you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, but i definitely see them being competitors for probably at least the next five seasons.
0: Mm -hmm. I do too. And a team now, I'm going to move on to a team that would have been seen as competitors this year if they didn't make the most questionable trade uh, of the decade so far. Obviously, the decades, we're only seven months into the decade, but they made the most questionable trade by trading DeAndre Hopkins, the Texans State. I mean, they got David Johnson and a couple draft picks back. But, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who also is in that discussion uh, for top receiver in the league, definitely top five, possibly top three. And they replaced him with Randall Cobb for a three-year, $27 million deal. And Cobb, who, I mean, he played, he played well with the, with the uh, Cowboys last year. I mean, he only started six games. He appeared in 15. But he had 828 yards last year. I mean, he had a solid year, but he's going to be 30 and to replace Nuke, the top 5 receiver in the NFL, it, it doesn't make sense why you would try and you would trade him away and then make this move.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would put Hop at my number 2, you know, in my opinion it's Julio Hop and then, you know, Michael Thomas, but the the real thing about this Texans wide receiver core is you know they they trade DeAndre Hopkins away for uh David Johnson I I don't think that was a good trade um but there were problems with Bill O'Brien and uh DeAndre Hopkins um that are starting to come out I, I don't think everything's out about it I don't think everything about that will come out but um, really, Will Fuller is going to be the one slotting into the number one wide receiver position. And Randall Cobb is really more so replacing Will Fuller's position as the number two. I mean, Randall Cobb, he, he was a solid number one when um, you know his quarterback was Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think this is another reason why Dak maybe doesn't deserve $40 million. Um, you know, Randall Cobb obviously didn't play a, a complete season, but, you know, for Randall Cobb numbers, the, the way that he used to play under uh, Aaron Rodgers, it, it just wasn't the same. So I'm hoping, I, I, I think Deshaun Watson's definitely a better quarterback. He, he's usually good for a, uh, you know, a 9-7, uh, and 10-6 season. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a good signing. I think it would have been a better signing if DeAndre Hawkins was still on the roster and you had Hop. Wolf Oliver, Seth, and uh, Randall Cobb.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it would be. I, I mean, after you made the trade, you had to sign somebody, but it just looks, it's a really bad look on your franchise when you give away DeAndre Hopkins for almost nothing, and then you get Randall Cobb back. It's not a good look on the franchise, and I mean, something that Bill O'Brien is going to have held over his head for many years to come.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought that the, the most unfortunate part is that just David Johnson really isn't the best running back anymore. You know, a couple of years ago, he was regarded as a, a top three running back and, you know, he broke his arm. He missed about half the season. And even when he did play, it really just wasn't the same. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it was a great trade for Houston. I do think it was a great trade for Arizona though. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see the impact Randall Cobb has on this Houston team.
0: Mm -hmm. It it will be. I don't know if Houston's going to be considered a playoff favorite anymore. Maybe with the expanded playoffs, that helps. But they're probably looking towards a team that this year, they're going to be around 500 would be my guess. Cobb might help them win one game there, but he's not going to be the complete game changer that DeAndre Hopkins was. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion,
1: the Randall Cop signing is not an impact signing. I think it's important. I don't think it's impact,
0: though. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Now, the two signs that the Dolphins made this offseason are going to be pretty big uh, impact signings. Uh, first, they went out, and they got uh, Kyle Van Noy from an indivision rival, the New England Patriots. And... He's been regarded as one of the better outside linebackers in the league. They signed him to a four-year, $51 million deal. And then they went out and they got the best cornerback free safety on the market since he's played both. Uh, and they got Byron Jones, who was on the Dallas Cowboys, obviously, and he finished his rookie deal. And he got a five-year, $82 million deal. And I know the Dolphins, they're still going to be mean for a while, and they're still far away from – being playing playoff contention, but they're making the moves they need. And Brian Flores, I mean, we've only seen one year of him as the head coach down there, but he's been looking like a good head coach, and we'll see what he can do with these two new pieces to, this, to a defense that's actually not looking too bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Dolphins are tanking the right way. They, you know, they got rid of their good players, they had Three first-round draft picks this past draft. I don't know if I would have selected Tua at number five overall just because of his injury history. Same um, here. Of course, they they still have Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick um, on the roster, and you know I expect Tua Fitzpatrick and uh, Rosen to be the three quarterbacks on the roster. Um, I think the the Byron Jones signing is most important because of his versatility. He can, you know, he can either play safety or cornerback, you know, wherever you need him to play, he can play there. I think they will use him as a cornerback though, just because, you know, quarterback wise they'll be going up against Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and either Cam Newton or Jared Stidham up in New England. Um so I I think the Byron Jones signing is probably a little bit more important, but again Mm -hmm you know, this Miami team doesn't really have a lot to show for, especially last season. So, you know, I I think every piece they can get is important, whether it's draft picks, whether it's, you know, free agent signings. And, you know, signing these players to four or five-year deals is perfect because, you know, by the time these two guys are a little bit older, all the rookie guys are, you know, if they pan out, they're going to want to start getting paid around that time too. You know, if, if Tua stays healthy and, plays really well he'll want to start you know he'll want to get off his rookie contract you know in four or five years so um you know it's it's definitely important to note um how important the signings are mashing up with you know all their draft picks um this draft
0: yeah definitely and i think like you had said those signings are right at the perfect length where it's not like you're investing so much time and like risk into it like said, "I keep going back to the Mahomes one, but you you get yeah. a lot of risk when you have the longer contracts like he had. It's perfect balance between that and having a shorter contract where you don't have much control. And in three or four years, this Dolphins team could probably be looking pretty good, depending on how they draft. If Tua stays healthy and becomes the guy that they expect him to, he could look really well, uh, good. And having these two guys who are two key defenders under control for quite a few years is." going to be key to their success in the long term.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think the, the Dolphins are going to make any playoffs, um, but I, I definitely see them at least being competitive this year. I, I don't think you can play the Dolphins and just say, oh, the, the easy win. Let's, you know, well, let's play the first half, and, you know, at halftime we'll start focusing on, you know, who we play next week. But, you know, I, I think
0: at this point they'll be at least competitive. Well, yeah, we saw that the Jets kind of went into the game last year against the Dolphins with that mindset when they went into Miami, and they lost by eight. So especially with a team that's getting better and better every year now, teams are going to be continue to look at them as a team that actually might not be a free win necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I 110% agree. So now that we've talked about the guys that ha- have been signed. Let's go just pretty quickly, like rapid fire style, through the guys in the market. And if there's a guy that you have kind of a prediction where they, well where they'll go or you know some intel, uh, we'll say it. Otherwise, we'll just go rapid fire through them. Uh, Damon Harrison's still available, I and mean, we saw that he used to be Jet, and he went to the Giants, and now he's going to be a free agent. Mike Daniels and Everson Griffin are both two names that are pretty surprising to me because they are some. More top tier. I mean, Daniels is a D lineman and Griffin is an edge rusher. Both those guys excel at their position, so I'm surprised to see them both available. Uh, Javion Clowney is still available too as a D end. I heard a bunch yeah. of teams throughout the free agency period, but I mean, signs are starting to see that if he signs somewhere, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a team. He signs yeah, with. and also
1: uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, I heard, could also be a front runner. I think that would be really good option for Jadeavion Clowney. Um, you know pair him up with Fletcher Cox. Right. And and that could be really nasty defensive line between those two. And, you know, like I said before, the NFC East is not going to be too competitive. So, you know, it kinda of increases the chances for a guy like Jadavion Clowney to make the playoffs. So whether he goes to Seattle or whether he goes to Philadelphia, I think, you know, both options for him are good options.
0: Yeah, it would be Kind of interesting seeing him go to Philadelphia, though. I mean, we know how he knocked Carson Wentz out of the game during the playoffs last year. There might mm-hmm. be some bad blood there during playoffs. Yeah, but
1: that could be interesting.
0: The... Then you, you mentioned how Marcus Golden's still a free agent, I and mean, he's looking towards staying in New York, you think? Yeah, it's it's based
1: on what I'm hearing and what I'm reading. I, he, tested the, he said this to the Giants, too. He was going to test the free agent waters, but... You know, he he wanted the Giants to know that he was absolutely 110% open to the opportunity of of coming back and playing with with Big Blue. Um, you know, he he tested the free agent waters. He was definitely one of the better edge rushers last season. Um, you know, I just with Jadavion Clowney in the market, he's the one that's really capturing all the attention. So guys like Everson Griffin, Marcus Golden, even Cameron Week, even a guy like Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews is all, is also out there and. Um, you know he could play linebacker, he could play edge. He's really good. Um, but he's a free agent, and it's actually sounding like Clay Matthews is most likely going to wind up retiring. Um, he's he's not going to try to make a comeback. Um, which is really unfortunate. I grew up watching him. He was he and Troy Palomalu were the two guys that everyone wanted, you know, to be when they were playing football. You know, if, yeah. If you were blitzing the quarterback, you were Clay Matthews. If you were dropping back and, you know, playing defense against a wide receiver, you were Troy Palomaro. So it's definitely going to be sad, you know, at least for me and my generation to, to watch Clay Matthews, you know,
0: hang it up. Yeah, it would be sad to see him go, especially because, I mean, he did the Lambo leap like no one else. Yeah, of course. And for a defensive player, Lambo leaps don't happen too often. Uh, mm-hmm. But,
1: you know, Clay Matthews made them happen.
0: He did. But uh, some other guys that are pretty big names, Alec Ogletree is still a free agent. I mean, he did pretty well with the Giants last year, too. Logan Ryan, who had that bittersweet pick six to end Tom Brady's uh, Patriots career, is still a free agent. Tremaine Johnson and Morris Claiborne, who were two former Jets, one of which we don't talk about that's really bad contract, uh, are free agents. Darkozy Denard is a free agent. Uh, Eric Reed, are so that kind of rounds out the secondary guys. I think, especially with the current climate climate that the
1: country is in, I, I don't think Eric Reed is going to get signed. I I think he and Colin Kaepernick were two of the guys kind
0: of responsible.
1: The you know, they they were really in front of the kneeling during the national anthem uh, a couple of years ago, and you know. Colin Kaepernick is still, he's claiming, being blackballed by the NFL. Um, and Eric Reed went unsigned for a handful of years until, um, you know, the Carolina Panthers signed him. And, uh, you know, he, he continued to be an activist during the anthem. Um, you know, I just think with the current climate, whether teams potentially blackball him, whether, you know, they just don't want to, in their eyes, deal with the... Um, off-field drama, you know, like in air quotes, how they may view it. Or maybe Eric Reed would just rather, you know, be an activist and, and do more, you know, in his communities rather than, you know, actually play football. I I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised if Eric Reed goes unsigned again for whatever the reasons may be. And back on Logan Ryan, there, there's some talk that, you know, he'll wind up with the Jets. The Jets, between Logan Ryan and uh, Jamal Adams, the Jets are, are not really right now in a position, it seems, for whatever the reason may be, to sign a big contract. The mm. the Jets have all the cap. You know, it's it's all there. We've seen all these other teams that we talked about sign big contracts. You know, I, I tried to defend the Jets that maybe just because there was, was coronavirus and, you know, income and profits you know were, were down for the owners I, I tried to defend them but you know the fact that all these other big deals happened, it, it's hard to defend them and you know especially once the Jermaine Johnson contract went up the, the Jets had a lot of money to spend and you know they they went out they they got some pieces but I would like to see them extend Jamal Adams and I would absolutely love to see them lock up Logan Ryan because I think it could not make them one of the best defensive teams in the league, especially, you know, a,
0: a team that's, that's led by um, Greg Williams as a, as a D.C. Yeah, it could be. I mean, people are sleeping on the Jets. I mean, we could be biased there, but if they get Logan Ryan, he, he definitely could add to this. I mean,
1: statistically, the Jets are one of the better defensive teams, but I, I think they could really improve upon that if they just go out and they spend the money.
0: For sure. So let's move on to the, to the offensive lineman there. It's still free agents. You look at Larry Warford, who is actually a reliable option at offensive guard, Kelvin Beachman and Don Penn are offensive tackles that are available. They're both getting up there in age though. I don't know how likely it is that they'll get signed. And then I think Don Ritt-
1: Penn is done.
0: Yeah, he he's probably going to hang him up.
1: And Kelvin Beachman, in my opinion, is really more of a depth piece. I think, you know, out of the offensive line, I who are notable, still free agents, Justin Britt at center, Penn, Beecham and Warford. I think Warford is the only guy who, you know, should really be looked at as an everyday starter. I think Justin Britt, in my opinion, some teams he could be a starter, but, I, you know, I think on a competitive team, he's
0: a, he's a depth beast as well. And then we look at some other wide receivers. You've got a pair of really fast wide receivers and Taylor Gabriel and Tavon Austin. Albeit Tavon Austin does a lot more returning duties and he's getting up there in age. But those are two guys who are on the faster end. If you're looking for a speed guy, a team that's looking for one of those could be uh, one of those two guys' suitors. Yeah, of course. And then I mean you also have Chris
1: Hogan and Jordan Matthews, who's he's he's kind of fallen off the past couple of seasons, but you know, there there's still some some notable you know, relatively successful wide receivers still available out there for, you know, mm-hmm. maybe some of these playoff teams to sign just as depth pieces. I mean, they don't have to play every game. They don't have to have big roles, but you know, maybe if your number one is just being absolutely locked down, and you know, maybe your number two is hurt, you know, they're they're reliable for maybe even five guy.
0: Yeah, they are, and if you need a guy, should step in and you know take a couple. Just take a couple reps, or if you need someone to replace an injured guy, they could be pieces that you could get on a short one- or two-year, two-, year, $2 million to three-million-dollar-per-year deal type of thing. Now, both tight ends that are still free agents are kind of older guys. You look at Delaney Walker especially and Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed is trying to make a comeback, and he's dealt with a lot of those injuries recently. Yeah, I mean, both have. Yeah, but Jordan Reed in particular, I mean, he was seen a few years ago with the Redskins as one of the top tight ends in the league. And then he's been almost completely injured the past couple of years. Um, So we'll we'll see what goes on there. Someone wants to take a risk on the older guy in Walker or the injury-prone guy in Jordan Reed. I wouldn't be surprised if both these guys are still free agents when a season rolls around, but only time will tell. I think it's going to take someone getting injured and, you know,
1: these guys are going to wind up being a depth piece and, you know, they, they probably wouldn't have more than 300, 400 yards, you know, in a, in a full season. But I agree. I don't, I think, you know, by the time week one rolls around, both of those guys are still,
0: you know, on the market. Yeah, they, they probably will be. And Lamar Miller is an interesting name as a, as a free agent because we saw how he was able to tear things out back when he was in Houston, even in Miami. And he hasn't played a down of NFL football since 2018. And he's still – he's only 29 right now. He's not even – he hasn't reached the age of 30 yet when running backs start to deteriorate for the most part. So it will be interesting to see exactly if he goes somewhere and who to if he does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Lamar Miller because he really could have been, you know, a top-ten running back consistently. But especially – the past three, four NFL drafts, they've just been so running back heavy that, you know, it's hard to look at someone like Lamar Miller and then look at maybe some rookies. And, you know, at, at that point, if I was an NFL GM, I, I would rather just choose a, a rookie like, you know, Lamar Miller, even LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he's had an established, distinguished career in McCoy, but, you know, at, at this point, in their careers, it's, it, it comes down to how well they're going to perform. and I just think a rookie will perform better.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially given, like, the Sean McCoy is 32. He just turned 32, but he's 32 nonetheless. And we've seen that he's already started to fall off a little bit over the past couple of years. He's not the shady McCoy that we know from Philadelphia. And we'll see if either him or Miller gets signed. If I were to bet on who would get signed first, if either of them, I would say Lamar Miller. But only time will tell, and it's very possible neither of them get signed. Yeah, no, I I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if, again, week one rolls around and both those guys are still on the market. Mm -hmm. But that just about wraps this up. We covered the entire NFL free agency this year, whether it was someone that was signed for a free agent or some guys that got key contract extensions. And we just went over the last couple minutes, some of the free agents that are still on the market. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate the constant support that we've been getting recently. And we're trying to get into a more consistent upload schedule now that sports are back. And thank God they are back is we love them. And thank you, Nick, for being on once again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, we just hope that you guys continue to subscribe and leave some reviews and comments And thank you guys so much for the support once again, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace.